0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is... Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see something, all right? Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, I'm not. It's enough. And it's time for The Rundown. Better late than never, it is the main event of your wrestling week. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, episode 325. I am your host, Jason. Uh, Troy and Sal are somewhere kissing under the mistletoe, but it's 2017, so we have no issues with that. We are here this week, and uh, I apologize for the lateness of the episode due to some illnesses on my part and some scheduling conflicts with some other people. We had a little bit of a tough time finding a uh, time to record that worked, so I'm here flying solo, feeling better and ready to talk about the week in professional wrestling. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to run through some key points from the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, at least my takeaways from that event. Uh, and then we're going to go into a little bit of a amalgamation of the week's headlines as well as the... Segment you all have come to know and love is the Perfect Ten. But first, let's talk about the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. Some some interesting things happening on the pre-show as Mojo Rawley defeated Zack Ryder. And it looks like Mojo is going to sort of maybe start to get a little bit of singles push. We'll see if it continues past this pay-per-view. Of course, he wasn't on SmackDown this week to follow up in any way, shape, or form on a feud that had no real build other than one turn and never being mentioned again. Uh, If you are interested, Mojo did cut a promo on social media that I thought was one of the better feud promos I've seen cut in quite a while. So good on him. And hopefully somebody upstairs notices that and uh, starts giving this guy some TV time to become what he can be. Uh, in the end of months and months of the fashion files, we finally discovered it was, the, in fact, the Bludgeon Brothers, responsible for everything that happened to Brizongo, and the payoff of that was like a 30-second squash. Bludgeon Brothers killed him. Uh, I am very, very much enjoying this Bludgeon Brothers thing. I didn't think I would, so good on them. They're doing a good job with those characters. Uh, Looking forward to seeing where they go from here. They're going to keep squashing people for a while. I'd imagine they're giving them sort of the Braun Strowman build as a tag team, and I think it's the right move, and we'll see if they uh, continue to come along slowly or how they sort of one-up this every time. Now they're starting to take on legitimate tag teams in Brizongo. We'll see where they go from here. Uh, The Tag Team Championships, the Fatal Four Ways, the Usos defeated the New Day, Rusev Day, and the No Day. Uh, Of course, that being Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Um... I enjoyed the match. I thought it was excellent. I thought Rusev and Aiden English were incredibly over. They were almost the biggest faces in the match, despite being booked as the heels. Uh, Shelton and Benjamin continue to suffer from no real character definition as heels. They're, they're sort of working as heels, but nobody really knows why they're heels when they were faces, and there was never really clear defined turn for them. I think that's sort of hurting them. In-ring, they're great. They were great on SmackDown and uh, looking forward to seeing where they go. Usos, once again, you just put these guys in a ring with anybody and it's freaking magic. These guys are one of if not the best tag teams in the world right now. Hats off to them. They deserve to retain the titles. Uh, United States Championship, a little bit weird. Dolph Ziggler, out of, sort of out of nowhere, defeated Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode, cutting short the championship reign of Baron Corbin, proving once again the theory that the uh, the executives, the powers that be, Mr. Vince McMahon himself, if you will, has sort of law, up and down faith in Baron Corbin, and that faith must be down because they put the title on Dolph Ziggler and took an interesting turn with it on SmackDown. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, this was definitely the shocker of the night. I don't think many people saw this coming, uh, so it was good to see them at least sort of try to do something with Dolph. We'll see how it develops. It took, like I said, took a weird, weird turn on SmackDown that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, match I thought was fine. I didn't have any issues with it. Um, I thought all three guys worked well. It was your typical, you know, get one guy out of the ring, triple threat. And uh, I thought everybody hit their spots nicely nothing nothing really noticeably wrong with it, so you know all all things considered the surprise of the night and good match, so good on all three of those guys uh for the women's championship, and what was a no brainer Charlotte Flair defeated natalia uh again i I didn't think this was a great performance for either one. I didn't think the match made a ton of sense. I didn't think it was. Really, sort of laid out very well. I think Charlotte risked losing her title to take out a bunch of girls who weren't in the match. Um, they booked it with all heels at ringside, with the exception of Naomi. Uh, there really wasn't a whole lot here that I enjoyed. I'm, I'm still a fan of Charlotte, but uh, this was not my favorite women's match in the year by far. Uh, looking forward to seeing where they go with Charlotte from here, uh, obviously, with the announcement that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Uh, she Her dance card seems fairly empty going forward Unless we define something very soon Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defeated Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura And of course this was sort of the most anticipated, most built match going into this pay-per-view I was a little surprised it didn't go on last But they did deliver, I thought the match was quality I thought Shinsuke sort of felt like an afterthought He was thrown in at the last minute uh, I didn't feel like he really had a defined role in this match. He was just sort of the guy there to be the body in this match to team with Orton um, had no real issues going into it with Owens or Zane, but that is what it was. The work was fine. I enjoyed the story. Uh, my biggest issue with it was that with four world-class performers in the ring, the match was really about the two guys who were referees and not competitors. And it sort of took away from the guys in the ring. I get where they're going with the story. And we'll talk about the story a little bit later on as well. I just don't know if this was the best utilization of your talent, sort of making them secondary players in a storyline with two non-wrestlers. WWE Championship, AJ Styles defeated Jinder Mahal uh, in a match where the story was AJ Styles had hurt ribs, and Jinder Mahal hit him in the ribs and kicked him in the ribs and threw his ribs into the barricade and hit him in the ribs again, and and, and his ribs hurt. And yeah, there's a lot of work on the ribs. Jinder didn't do a whole lot. I don't know if that was by design. Uh, AJ definitely took the to the high work rate portion of this match. Uh, I thought they did a good job, though. I thought they had, they had a decent chemistry for a Jinder Mahal match. It was definitely on the upper end of Jinder Mahal matches. So happy for both guys. Uh, I'm glad to see that the championship stayed where it should with the phenomenal one. AJ Styles. So that is my takeaways from the Clash of the Champions pay-per-view. Uh, of course, stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll give out all the contact info. If you have takes or opinions based on or that disagree with mine, maybe, feel free to shoot us a line. We'll read it on the show and we'll have a little back and forth. It'll be fun. Or leave us a voicemail. That's always a great way to get a hold of us and all that information will be right at the end of the show. Now, as I, as I said, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. We're going to switch things up, mix them up, Maybe combine two segments, but we're only having one Perfect Ten. The Perfect Ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. And this week in wrestling, there is only one story that you can lead off the Perfect Ten with. Of course, it occurred at the end of Monday Night Raw with Stephanie McMahon announcing that for the first time in history, the WWE will feature a women's Royal Rumble at the pay-per-view this year. To me, this was groundbreaking, obviously, but there were two sides to this story. For one, was the message, and the second half was the delivery. So let me start with the message. For these women, I'm thrilled. This, this is definitely a groundbreaking moment. This is definitely something that should have happened before. I'm so, so happy, so proud for these ladies that they're going to get the opportunity to make history once again in this format. This is going to be something I think the world is going to tune in to see. I think a lot of wrestling fans have been ready for this for a while. I'm excited by the possibilities, not only of who wins and who goes on to WrestleMania, because if you haven't heard, they didn't announce it on TV. That is the prize. The winner does get to face the champion at WrestleMania, which means in theory for the first time in a long time, we're going to have a one-on-one women's championship match at a WrestleMania. It won't be like 17 women in the ring at once. But, um... I thought this was great. I'm looking forward to the idea. Maybe some legends return, maybe Beth Phoenix, maybe Alita, maybe a Trish Stratus, all whose status, uh, deserves a spot in a monumental match like this. It'd be great to see one or more of them come back and be a part of this event. I'm a little disappointed because this match is now for the titles. It means probably, and most likely logically, at least no Alexa bliss, no Charlotte. And I think this is a marquee moment for the women. And those two women deserve to be in there. Um, I am very, very, very excited for this. I'm very much looking forward to this. I cannot wait to see this. Uh, I'm curious to see how they'll build it over the next few weeks because there is some story to tell as to how we get there. We started to see some of that. We have groups in the women's division, we have like factions that can unite and work together within the match. I think we have a lot of cool things we can do in a format like this. I believe the last number I heard was that they're planning on 20 women. I don't have the exact count from Ron SmackDown minus the champions, but you got to think that's going to involve at least one or two NXT talents, <clears throat> Team Iconic. Uh, And like I said, maybe one or two blasts from the past in this thing. I cannot wait to see the Women's Royal Rumble this year. I'm probably more excited for this at this point than I am for the Men's Royal Rumble. But we'll get to that now. That was the message. As far as the delivery, that's where I had a problem. Because I thought in the moment of creating history for these women and sort of saying we're going to make these women even more of a focal point, you sort of made them look kind of stupid. And what I mean by that is you set this up at the end of a match where there was a disqualification, a brawl, a huge fight, the entire locker room clears, they're all going at each other. Then Stephanie's music hits because it's got to be Stephanie. She's got to be the one that women's revolution. It was all her idea. Nobody else, not, you know, NXT fans had nothing to do with it. Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Bailey had nothing. It was really just Stephanie's idea. Um, she comes down, and they all stop like a bunch of children, and the mom just got home from vacation early and broke up the house party. They all just kind of stood there and stopped fighting. She gets in the ring, and then we get the announcement, and then these women who were just kicking the shit out of each other and hated each other are all holding hands and doing the yes chant, and I just thought it was... I, I mean, I am i understand that in Triple H's mind, kayfabe is dead, and by and large it is, but you know, and I don't quote, I don't quote this guy very often. Um, and Jim Cornette, but you don't have to rub people's fucking faces in it. Like they all, they're all in on it, but you don't like, you can suspend disbelief. When Bruce Willis throws Hans Gruber off the top of the Nakatomi towers in the greatest hit Christmas movie ever made, he doesn't then go, hey, you guys know that was all bullshit, right? I'm just, I'm Bruce Willis. I'm not John McClane, just so you know. Like, he doesn't do that. The movie doesn't work if you don't stay believable within the world the characters live in. And I thought that was just not a great way to do this. I think there were much better ways you could have made this announcement. Stephanie could have made this announcement just fine. She could have gone out there and called the women out. But don't break up a giant brawl with this. To me, it just made everything. Look, I wasn't a fan of how they did that. Um, In other news, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega in a match that some are calling the most anticipated match in years will take on each other at Wrestle Kingdom 12. We've talked about that briefly in the past, but it is now going to be a no-disqualification match. I guess this was added on the heels of their big brawl in their press conference recently. For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Jericho attacked Kenny Omega during a recent New Japan show. Um, after the show, Jericho went and did a press conference. Kenny Omega came out, attacked him. They had a big pull-apart. Jericho, I believe, at one point throwing a table at Kenny Omega. So this, I don't know about the most anticipated match of all time. I don't know how great the quality of this match is going to be. I feel like there's a lot of room for people to be let down with some of the hype going into this. Um, Certainly, Omega is at the top of his game. Jericho, while still a very talented performer... I don't know if he's at the top of his game in-ring anymore. Um, I think he can very much impress in his character work, as we saw during his uh, Festival of Friendship run with Kevin Owens. Uh, I thought he did his best work in ca- as as a character and on the microphone in a very long time. His in-ring stuff I did not think was at his peak level. Uh, maybe working with Omega brings that out in him. I'm looking forward to seeing the match. Uh, I'm just a little leery of seeing—I don't like—the one thing about New Japan that sort of skeeves me out a little bit is watching all these unprotected headshots and watching a guy like Jericho, who's taken a lot of blows through the years, a lot of concussions, I would imagine, that went undiagnosed, at his age now taking all those unprotected headshots that go with working in a match with Kenny Omega. I'm a little leery of seeing that. We'll see. I'm looking forward to the match. I'm going to be watching it and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it here on the rundown. But the fact that you've added it, the stipulation of making it no DQ, sort of adds and ups the danger quotient of what these guys might do to make this sort of the monumental match I think they both envision it being. Uh, The billing is great. The lead-in has been tremendous. The storytelling, the Alpha versus Omega, it's all been done really well, and I really just hope that what we get in the ring at the end of this uh, meets the expectations and the standards that they're setting in the pre-match build. Speaking of monumental matches, uh maybe monumental's a little bit strong, but it was a defining moment for the company of Ring of Honor this past weekend because Cody, that's Cody, not Cody Rhodes, just Cody, lost the Ring of Honor championship to one Dalton Castle in a ma- in an upset I think not a lot of people saw coming. Uh Cody's done a great job of sort of I don't want to say revitalizing, but really bringing more notoriety to that Ring of Honor championship with his international recognition, um, his his exposure in Japan and around the rest of the world now, his high-profile matches on the indies. Um, I think he's done a great job with that championship. And Dalton Castle, while really a talented performer, a great character, has often been booked in more of a comedy-style role. So I'm not sure that I saw this coming, that a lot of people saw this coming. Um, I'm a fan of Dalton Castle. I'm a huge fan of the guy. If you ever listen to him talk on a podcast or an interview, I think he's great. Um, I didn't necessarily think that putting the title on him was the the move to make. I'm very, very curious to see where Ring of Honor goes with this. The match itself was good. Not great. Not necessarily up to some of the final battle standard championship matches that we've seen in the past. Because that's that event has had some tremendous main events grudge matches and championship matches through the years. This was a perfectly perfectly good match. It was very back and forth, very competitive. Uh, these guys didn't do anything bad in the match. They didn't blow great spots. They just, it was all solid. It was all great, but it was sort of unspectacular, I guess, maybe the best use of the word. It was, it was old school wrestling. Um, I did like Cody coming out as a an homage to the American dream with the dyed hair. Of course, as soon as you saw that, you had to know he was getting color in that match, and he did. Um, the end again just sort of fell a little flat. Just he went for the I was he went for the crossroads. No, he went for maybe the disaster. He went for Cody went for something and got caught in the bangerang of Dalton Castle, which is sort of like a Alabama slam, spin out into a flapjack. I guess it's the best way to define the Describe this move, um sort of again, not super impactful as a finisher, not a just a not a jolting way to end a championship run, just just sort of there and not bad, just not you know memorable, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Hats off to Dalton Castle. I'm hoping he pulls together a great run because he's a great talent uh and tremendous tremendous kudos to Cody, who I think has done. A, a yeoman's job in bringing more recognition to Ring of Honor and representing that company and really sort of establishing himself as a top guy outside of the WWE. So hats off to both those guys. Uh, great job, and uh, we'll see what you do going forward. Again, no shade on either one of these guys. I just guess the match, I, I maybe I had higher expectations than were actually feasible for that match. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, good, good on Dalton Castle. Can't wait to see where they go with that. While we are on the topic of Ring of Honor, our next uh, item involves a couple members of the Ring of Honor roster. Well, maybe former members of the Ring of Honor roster. As it's come out this week that War Machine, as well as independent star Ricochet, are reported to be headed to the WWE or NXT. And uh, this has not been corroborated yet, but this is definitely a strong rumor. There's also mentioned that a very well-known independent, female independent wrestler, would be along with them. Of course, some speculation being Tessa Blanchard given her relationship with Ricochet. Uh, nobody really knows for sure. That's the, the name of that female talent hasn't really come out yet as far as I know. Um, but let me start with uh, Ricochet because I've got more to say on the other side. But Ricochet, amazing talent on the independent circuit. Uh, I was a fan of his work as Prince Puma and Lucha Underground. For those of you who didn't know, he was Prince Puma and Lucha Underground. Um, I'm... I, I, I'm a little skeptical as to how he translates to WWE. Uh, I I worry that he might get pigeonholed into that 205 Live uh, genre. And while it looks like they're sort of trying to put a little more steam and a little more attention to 205 Live, I sort of wonder if the brand is already poisoned and it might be too little too late. Uh, And I don't know that he has the WWE Universe, WWE audience recognition that sort of makes him a star walking through the door that some other guys might. Uh I hope I hope to be proven wrong on that cuz I'm a big fan of Ricochet. I think he can bring a lot. I also curious to see what they do with his ring style. We know they've toned down a lot of the uh high flying and a lot of the fast paced offense that the cruiserweights have made famous and that's sort of been the bread and butter of Ricochet so I'm, I'm hopefully they don't tune him out to tune him down as well and sort of take away from him. But Congrats to him. I know I'm sure this has been something he's looked forward to for a long time and certainly deserving of the opportunity and hopefully they allow him to showcase what he can actually do. Now, on to the other half of that equation. That, of course, is War Machine. Uh, Todd Hansen or Warbeard Hansen uh, and Raymond Rowe. Now, Raymond Rowe, we know, is, we touched on a couple weeks ago, engaged to Sarah Logan, of course, part of the Riot Squad over on SmackDown. So, There's a little bit of a connection to WWE already there, but uh, I don't know Raymond Rowe. I've heard by all accounts, great guy. Uh, I do happen to know Todd pretty well. Uh, I was the ring announcer for his very first match. I was there when he was training years ago, just getting into the business. Uh, One of the hardest working guys I've ever met, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in this business to this day. I, I very rarely hear anyone who has a bad word to say about Todd genuinely one of the nicest dudes i've worked with i am so I've, i know he's dreamed of of this for his entire life uh i'm so incredibly happy for him so incredibly proud of him uh couldn't be uh more deserving of this opportunity than and nobody could be more than him um, he's fought through a lot to get here and he, I'm very, very happy to see him get this opportunity. So hopefully this is all true. And I didn't just say a bunch of nice things about Todd for nothing. Uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to seeing War Machine could make a big impact. They have sort of that size and ability, uh, combination that we know that company loves to use. I sort of am a little curious now with the whole Bludgeon Brothers thing where they might fit in because the gimmicks are sort of similar a little bit. Uh, and of course, on the wrestling podcast about nothing, Brian Malonis is often often known to poke a, a jab at uh, Todd Hansen for the similarity of his look to one Killian Dane uh, in terms of ring gear. And there's might be a little something there. Uh, so obviously, I'm curious to see once they get down there what they end up doing with them um, in terms of a gimmick, but. Good on both of them. Congratulations to all three. And if there is if there is a unide- yet unidentified female worker, congratulations to her, too. Uh, all these guys are top-notch talent, and the WWE is lucky to have them. In the news item this week that I think caught the most people by surprise, Vince McMahon apparently reportedly has sold $100 million worth of WWE stock to raise money for a new version of of the XFL. That's right, if you guys hadn't had enough of He Hate Me, that might be returning soon. Uh, Unreal Substantiated reports that Vince plans to bring back a competition for the NFL, or at least a minor league system for the NFL, uh, privately funded. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I. It's very strange, the timing of this, because it wasn't that long ago we had that XFL special on ESPN, and you sort of wonder if maybe that sparked a lot of nostalgia in some people. I know there were there was a bit of a run on XFL jerseys on eBay after that and things of that nature. Um, Vince sometimes has a hard time accepting failure. We know that. Uh, you can see that in the way he continues to push guys sometimes who just aren't over because he believes in the character which can be a good thing and a bad thing. In this case, I'm not so sure it's a good thing. I think he's weakening his company, selling that much stock. There's rumors that he would even be willing to potentially pull a Dana White and sell controlling interest to the company and be allowed to stay around and run the day-to-day operations while someone else owns the company. Uh, all these things are sort of up in the air. Nobody knows for sure, but the, the reports of him selling that much stock certainly have a lot of people with their eyebrows raised. I guess the question then would be, would anybody be interested I mean, NFL ratings themselves are dropping now. I mean, that's the Goliath, and they're having trouble keeping people interested in their product. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe Vince is sitting back and saying, "Well, maybe they're they're just people are just tired of that product, and we there's an opening there for that those disenfranchised audiences, and we'll make sure everybody stands for the national anthem and blah blah blah, whatever. All those things that people are turned off by the NFL, we're going to do them differently, and we'll attract the that disenfranchised audience. And maybe that's the plan. And He's a businessman. He sees perhaps an opening to get his foot in the door, and he's going for it. So we'll see how it plays out. I just think this may be a case of uh, not learning from history and Vince perhaps getting set to lose a lot more money on another football league. We'll find out. Stay tuned here for more information in the coming weeks and months. Now, on to the things that occurred this week in professional wrestling on television. The main event for the Royal Rumble is officially set It is a three-way between Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Kane. We also discovered this week that Kurt Angle has turned into something of a pussy. Uh, yeah, all three men in the ring this week. Uh, Kurt announces the match and then runs like a little girl so these guys could fight. Uh, i got to tell you, as excited as I was at SummerSlam for Brock versus Braun, uh, I have zero interest in seeing this match. I really don't see it going anywhere. I think we all sort of know at this point where they're going for WrestleMania. And it does it's not Braun or Kane in the main event. So I think we sort of all know where this is going. I think we know why Kane is in the match to take the pinfall. Um, I, I just This match to me is made less than by adding Kane to it. I don't see him bringing a whole lot to this match at this point. And there's no real storyline reason for him to get a title shot. He's been gone forever. And lost. Uh, the only he, he beat Finn Balor, as we've chronicled here several times. Um, but short of that, this just seems to be a way to sneak in two other guys who have some name recognition to work with Brock to hold him over until Roman wins the Rumble or gets the title shot at the pay-per-view after. I, I don't know. But in terms of, uh, thank God that they have the Women's Royal Rumble set, because that's going to be the big draw for the casual audience. Because this match, this main event, certainly is not, at least not, for me. What is becoming a draw for me, though, every week on Monday Night Raw, is one Jason Jordan. And yes, I know, that's thats something I've said a couple times in the past on this show, and, and I've heard from people, what are you, crazy? It's like, he's horrible. He's not, though. He's trying to be horrible. He's trying to be a whiny, petulant child. He's playing his role tremendously. They took... The booze that he was getting, and the the hate, and the heat, and they've worked it into his character, and they've made it work so so well. He is playing this role brilliantly. He is a star in the making right now, and the only problem is he got in the ring this week with Seth Rollins. Who, look, I, I'm all due respect to former co-host of The Rundown, Andy, and the the godfather of the Questionable Endeavor Network, who I know has pancake breakfast with Seth Rollins every Sunday. Um, uh, Seth has a tendency at times to suck the life out of angles and matches. I don't really know why. I, he doesn't have a, an, an innate lack of charisma and he, his moveset is tremendous. He's a tremendous worker in the ring, but everything just seems maybe, I, I don't know if it maybe seems too easy if it's just paint by numbers and so Maybe too choreographed that it doesn't seem realistic? I don't know, but every time I watch Seth Rollins have these big matches, it just doesn't feel like there's any intensity to it, any heat to it. It doesn't feel like there's any fire in the match. I know that's ironic for the guy who's supposed to burn it down, but when was the last Seth Rollins match that you were really emotionally invested in? I can't think of one. Uh, Maybe a match with The Shield just for the nostalgia purpose, the recent one that they had with The New Day. I don't know, but... Seth, to me, you look back at the feud with Kevin Owens, was just fell flat. I thought the Triple H feud fell flat. You know, some of that had to do with the injuries, but even in the segments that Seth, I thought, had an opportunity to really stand out, I don't think he did. Uh, I thought his feud with Samoa Joe got cut short and fell sort of flat. And then I watched him in the ring with a, a very energetic, very talented young guy in Jason Jordan. And I, I sat there and I said, okay, this is going to be a great match. These two guys can work their asses off in the ring. They're going to be tell, tell a great story in there. And it was just sort of there. like it was not, It was a long match, but there was not a memorable spot to come out of it. There was nothing that you sit back and go, wow, that was a match I got to go back and watch. I can still remember back to Monday Night Raw matches between guys like Shawn Michaels and Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin never went on to be the top guy, the great star but I'll remember that super kick, that springboard into a super kick spot for the rest of my life. There was nothing like that in this match, and there probably should have been, given the talent of the guys involved. Of course, then, they get to the back, and uh, Kurt Angle can't give Seth Rollins the match with Samoa Joe tonight because he just had a match, and until he decides to make it a tag match, a six-man tag, because then Seth can wrestle in a six-man tag, and... That makes sense, I suppose. Uh, but in any event, yeah, this match just really fell flat, and I'm really starting to worry uh, about Seth long term. If he doesn't find that spark, that thing that really makes him makes you him draw people in, I don't know if he's ever going to get to that level. A lot of us predicted him to get to. He'll be a top guy almost by default at this point, but he won't be a super superstar. We'll see. I hope you know. I hope he finds it. Ah. <sighs> Good news for him, though, is that he is not on SmackDown, because he'll have a chance to be a star instead of the GM and the commissioner. Yes, on SmackDown, the only real story that got a ton of development was that Shane and Daniel Bryan are disagreeing over their refereeing duties at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, Um this was fine. You had to expect there would be some follow-up between the two of them after the way the pay-per-view ended. I talked earlier about my feelings on sort of how they became the main story over the talent. That's neither here nor there. That's the story they went with, so they do have to develop it, and I do understand that. Um, But then you look at the main event, and it's just like a house show six-man tag. There was nothing, no development of the characters that the storylines that they had built sort of with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they were just sort of there. And I understand we're six weeks out of the Royal Rumble and we've got a lot of time to build stuff and we're sort of doing the slow. But to me, you had to strike while the iron was hot with these guys. And by sort of making Shane and Daniel the focal point, instead of Owens and Zayn, you're sort of cooling them off unintentionally. I hope they pick that up because there's a lot you can do with heel Sammy and heel Kevin as a team. They're doing a great job when they're given an opportunity. I just worry that their opportunities and their TV time is going into Shane McMahon, and Daniel Bryan, which in all likelihood, at least as of everything we know now will not end in a match. Um, we'll find out down the road, but for the time being, this looks like some, some poor prior prioritization of your talent, at least to me. Um, we finally saw a little bit of a different uh, look to Broken Matt Hardy, a little bit of a throwback to his W, I'm sorry, TNA Impact uh, version of Broken Matt as he started playing chess with a goldfish that was Napoleon Bonaparte reincarnated. Yep, uh, it was good. It was better than the previous couple weeks where we just saw them sort of going back and forth in opposite rooms in different promos. Uh, I thought this developed the character a little bit more, showed a little bit more of the crazy. I thought the promo was good. My only real issue here is I think we have to get out of the promo world at a certain point, introduce him to the live crowds, see the reactions, let them get to know this character, because some, of, a lot of them don't. And uh, it's going to help him to get out there and do something more than promos. Promos are great. Promos are a very underutilized tool in the WWE sometimes to get people over. But you also have to develop the character. And right now we're three weeks in and we've had nothing but the same thing with a promo for Hardy every single week. Uh Wyatt is Wyatt. He's cutting the same promos that nobody's really understood for a while. And uh sorta has charisma to him, but doesn't really ever seem to go anywhere with it through booking, I guess. But uh it's definitely a good feud for the first feud for Broken Matt, and it makes a lot of sense. But I'd like to see them develop it past the promo stage. I think the time has come. Hopefully that happens very, very soon. I wouldn't count on it happening next week because next week, Raw happens on Christmas and nobody's going to be watching. Except for the family of John Cena because he'll be back on the show. Because in case of emergency, break glass and release John Cena! But it's going to happen next week. Go for it. What I want to see more than John Cena is Broken Matt out there in the ring doing taking care of business and showing us as showing the WWE Universe what Broken Matt Hardy is in the ring or Woken even. Uh, Speaking of being Woken, it seems like maybe Dolph Ziggler got Woken to being an idiot because he went for months talking about not getting any respect, not getting opportunities, got an opportunity at the US title at the Clash Champions, won that title, Then cut sort of a strange promo where he basically, I think, vacated the U.S. title, threw it on the ground, walked away, said he was leaving. Uh, There were rumors, of course, that his contract was running up soon. As of every report I've read, this was, in fact, part of an angle. He's going to go away for a little while and come back with maybe a new look or a new package, a new sort of identity. Uh, which would be like the eighty-fifth time they've tried that with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, maybe this, maybe this will be the time. No, fingers crossed that it works. I don't know. Um, to me, I, I, I don't understand it. You're, what are you telling me about this title? Because you're telling me that it had this title at one point. You could make a case this was the most prestigious title in the company during that U.S. Open challenge. It was the drawing point, the focal point for John Cena in the company, and then after that it sort of fell off and you brought it back and you put it on scene again and it became legitimate again and then you had two of your main event guys feuding for it and it sort of felt important except that feud I think between Kevin Owens and AJ Styles just sort of was underwhelming in and of itself in in terms of the chemistry those two had in the ring Um, but then you put on Baron Corbin and no one gave a shit and then you went from Baron Corbin to Dolph Ziggler, and no one still gives a shit. I To me, again, and I, I, I'll be the one that beats this drum, because I still think they missed an opportunity to put the title on Ty Dillinger, who hasn't been on TV since he was in that triple threat for the U.S. title a couple months ago. Uh, but I think he's got some charisma. I think he's got something that people could get behind, a little bit of the underdog nature that I think would help get that title, and that title would help get him over. Uh, I think that was a prime opportunity missed, Maybe if they have a tournament now to crown a new champion, maybe he comes up as the underdog winner, and then Dolph Ziggler comes back and challenges him. I think that would be a program I'd be interested in seeing. We'll have to see where they go with this, but at this point, I think a lot of questions left in the wake of Dolph's promo this past week. Now, that is going to do it for this week's edition of The Perfect Ten. I apologize, I'm feeling like I said, I'm just getting over feeling ill, so I'm not going to run through our indie dates this week. We'll be back with those next week. Uh I am going to tell you that you can search for the rundown on Twitter, at Rundown Podcast on Twitter. You can go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. You can email the show at rundown wrestling at gmail.com. As I said earlier, you can leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That is 61 Rundown 7. We've talked before. We are now on Patreon. You can be like Mike Smathers. Head over to Patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling and become a patron. Currently, we have one reward level. That is the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you access to one patron-only episode of the Rundown. Uh, Of course, currently up there, what more Mark Henry uh, and coming very soon, our second patron-only episode. We're just working on scheduling that. The holidays, throwing a real ratchet into our scheduling uh, of the show. Uh, Check out the Slasher Sanitarium if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. They drop new podcasts every Monday and Thursday. And by the way, I happen to make the Kingpin, Brian Malonis' list of uh, grievances this past year. Didn't like my sports takes on social media, but Brian... I still love you. I appreciate the f- plug. And keep working hard to follow in the footsteps of guys like Flip Gordon and Ring of Honor. You're doing a heck of a job there, Kingpin. We love you. Uh, no, all those guys are great. Uh, they actually, congrats to them. They got retweeted by Sasha Banks. Made it on, uh, got very much up upvoted on um, the Squared Circle Reddit recently. So these guys, those guys doing big things, and I'm happy for both of them. And, of course, the Kingpin uh, once again, appearing on Ring of Honor at a recent tapings, so uh, big things happening in the po- in the podcast and in the wrestling ring for those guys. So congratulations to both of them. Uh, check out our new friend Justin Michaels on in prime time on his show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. You can subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast and you will hear all of our shows, including NXT Revisited, The Rundown, Sit Down. Got one scheduled for next week, so hopefully uh, I can get that up as soon as possible. I'm excited about that one. Uh, no word yet on who the guest is. I'll keep that a surprise. Uh, we also offer WrestleMania Salvation, Glow and the NitroMania podcast. And I hear that the next edition of WrestleMania Salvation might feature another special co-host. We shall see. Stay tuned. Thanks to everyone for listening. I had no co-host this week, so thanks to myself for being here, despite playing hurt. Thanks to Ray Williams for our logo. Thanks once again to myself for that theme song. Next week, we might bring you a show. I mean... Who's really watching wrong Christmas Day? Eh, we'll see. Uh, no, but because of the holidays, it could be difficult to schedule a show for next week, so stay tuned to us on social media. Of course, I mentioned the rundown on Facebook, Rundown Wrestling Podcast on Twitter. Go uh, follow those things so you can keep up to date. If Whether we're going to have a show next week, I'm going to try to be on, at least get something up for you guys. I am planning on our best and worst uh, episode from last year to, to do another version of that this year. Uh, probably either right before or right after the new year. So we got some big things coming. It's been a year of change on the rundown. Obviously, Troy and myself sort of thrust into a leadership role on this show that we didn't necessarily expect was coming. Uh, We're still flying by the seat of our pants in a lot of ways, but we're learning. We're trying to get better. And I really feel like the show has taken some real strides in the last couple weeks. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully finding maybe one or two new co-hosts to slide in every now and then. But... I appreciate you guys staying with us. I appreciate the loyalty of the listeners of The Rundown. It's meant a lot. It's been a great year. It's growing here, and we're going to be back bigger and better than ever next year. In case I don't talk to you guys next week, I wanted to wish everybody out there who's been a loyal listener of The Rundown, even our new listeners, even those who sometimes don't download the episodes and just kind of delete it. That's fine, too. We love you all. Thank you all for all your support throughout the year. It means a lot to us. It's the thing that keeps us going. And we enjoy doing this for you every single week. We will see you next Thursday. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted solo by Jason Stewart. We are a proud member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all their shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast horror podcasts, the slasher sanitarium and the shadow vein podcast, as well as the rest of our shows, taco Tuesday, words of geekdom, Pwn stars, a reanimator podcast, nerd CTLR, all that and more at QuestANetwork.com. and tune in next week for an all new episode of the rundown wrestling podcast.